Hello, everybody. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I am your host. And this episode is an Easter Sunday episode that I'm going to talk about communion. I'm going to talk all about communion, what it is, some of the places in the scripture where you can find it, and what it's supposed to mean, who can have it, who can, who can receive it, things like that. So I'm going to start off with uh, Genesis 14.10 through 24. Now, Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, talking about Abram. This is Abram here. And his nephew Lot has gone to live in Sodom. And I'm going to take off from verse 10, chapter 14. Now, the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. So what was happening is that there's some other kings, there's some other some other cultures attacking other cultures. That's what was happening. And Lot is living in Sodom. So the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were fleeing the attack, fell into the tar pits, and Sot is or Lot is taken captive. So Rondo 11. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Honor, and these were allies with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also, and also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. Then after his return from the defeat of Kedilomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram at the valley of, at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, which is a foreshadowing of communion. Now Melchizedek was a priest of God most high. He blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram gave a tenth of all to Melchizedek, the first form of tithe, without the law, without the Ten Commandments, without any law, without being told. That was Abram's response. Without saying, you, it's written here, you have to give me this. He did that out of response. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Honor, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their share. Now that's the exchange that was transpiring, that battle, when communion was first given. And that is Isaiah, or excuse me, Genesis 14, 10 through 24. 
Next, we're going to go to Isaiah, which is not, this, this scripture is not about communion itself, but it is definitely, definitely about Jesus. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. In a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring, bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. Thus, God, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Now that is Isaiah prophesying Jesus. Justice is in there a lot. And he's talking about every form of justice. Spiritual, physical, and civil. That's the justice Jesus brings. Now, of course, abuses have been done in the name of Jesus. And they've been done in the name of everybody because we're fallen creatures. We think that we're the good guys or the bad guys, this and that. Well, there's good and evil inside each and every one of us. Many religions believe this, not just Christianity. Many, many. That's where the yin and the yang comes from. All these concepts, the light wolf, the dark wolf, all these concepts are from within the human being. All right. So now we're going to get back to. Uh, communion. And we're going to move to Matthew 26. Now, this is where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples before the Passover, or to celebrate the Passover, before the Passover. And this is before Good Friday, the day he was crucified. This is verse 26, Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until, the debt, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. 
Now that's in Matthew. And that is exactly the same thing that Melchizedek gave Abram, bread and wine. Now there are many people who think that Melchizedek was a physical incarnation of Christ. And I believe that is true too. There are certain uh, Hebrew words in the Old Covenant that separate, that differentiate a type of angel. And there are certain instances where that word points to incarnation of Christ on earth before in the old, in the old covenant that is. All right. So next is Mark. Mark has a similar account. I'm going to Mark 14 too. All right. Now the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize Jesus by stealth and have him killed. For they were saying, we can't do this during the festival. Otherwise, there might be a riot by the people. So while Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table where, oh, I got the wrong one. <laughs> oh, I got the wrong verse. Sorry, y'all. Give me a second. It's embarrassing because I'm recording. My penmanship is bad. I misread my own writing. So here we are, Mark 14, 22. While they were eating, he took some bread. They're in the upper room. Same scenario, same, same situation, different person's perspective. Mark was not in the room. He got his information from Peter. Peter and Mark were close. So Peter's telling Mark about what happened in the upper room. And this is what Mark writes. While they were eating, he took some bread. Jesus took some bread. And after a blessing... He broke it and gave it to them and said, take it. This is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And that is Mark 14, 22. Luke is going to be a similar account. I'm going to go over Luke because John, I'm going to go over the, the four gospels because Luke, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have similar accounts. And then you get to John and it's a little bit different. It's a different situation with a different audience. John doesn't write about communion in the upper room the way the other three gospels do. He writes about it in a different way. And it's one that's a good way to end on, I think. So here is Luke. 2219. Same situation in the upper room. And we had taken some bread and given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom it is he, has, he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who is going to do this thing. So there, he was talking about Judas Iscariot. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, similar situation, upper room, freely given. And now we're going to go to John. And this is a different, this one reads a little bit differently. I think this one is, this one is good because... 
I think it's really what happened. I, th- I mean, I also I think those other three accounts are really what happened. But I think on this account, I think the thing about the Bible is that even the critics, the people who are capturing, who, who, are, who are recorded as critiquing the Bible and, and even all the failures and all the things that all the, the different people and characters in the Bible, I'll call them characters of the people, they're all the different people in the Bible. Their failings are all recorded too. It's not a book about a bunch of perfect people who perform perfectly. It's about a book. It's, this book is about one person who performed perfectly and all of creation who did not. That's what it is. There's more to it than that, of course. But I say that because I'm going to go to John's account of this. And then now John's account is this. Jesus is talking to a large group. This is not in the upper room. Jesus is talking to a large group of people. And they're all disciples of his. But they're more than the 12. And he says this. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So he who eats me and all, he also will live because of me. He's talking about the bread. He hasn't said that, but that's what he's talking about. And this is where we go with it. This is where he goes with it. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now he was talking about the bread from the Old Testament when the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years, manna came out of heaven. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, and and he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. That's John's account of it. So it's different. And that's fine. That's good. I like that perspective. And I like the fact that John recorded this. Some people were like, whoa, ah, this is hard. Man. I don't know if we can, you know, this is hard. Who can hear this? That's honest. That's people. We doubt stuff. Whether it's your relationships, take a hit. Finances take a hit, health takes a hit, something takes a hit that, that, that you hold valuable to you or your family or friends. It happens. It happens. And it shakes your faith. It can shake your faith. What do you do when that happens? And my experience has been Praying communion. That's not the time to go away from God and say, you know what? I'm not going to communion you, communion with you. 
I'm actually going to have communion, even if I don't feel like doing it, especially praying if I don't feel like doing it, especially if I'm mad at somebody. And everybody gets mad at somebody. We all have family members and friends. We get mad at each other. We push each other's buttons, sometimes accidentally, sometimes on purpose. Now, whether you're the cause of the damage or the receiver of the damage, my recommendation is pray and have communion, receive communion. Okay. <clears throat> Next thing I want to talk about is about communion is who can have it? So now, communion is only for believers. And I don't understand why a non-believer would want to do it. I mean, it wouldn't. You can have bread and wine all you want. It doesn't mean it's communion. That's all I'm saying. It's it, it's a uh, it's different when you have a personal relationship involved, and that doesn't mean you have to go to a building to have communion. And that is the next stop on this. I don't understand. Well, actually, I do understand. It's completely clear, and a lot of people believe this. You know, a lot of people think that religions are just about control. Well, yes, human beings can use religion to control the thoughts and behavior of people. That's called an abuse of Christianity. I'm not speaking for any other religion. I'm just going to speak for Christianity. But I will say that abuses have been done in the name of all religions because we're fallen human beings. Like I said earlier, we have evil and good inside us. So knowing that that's the field, that's the play area. That's the field. You can presume that everyone is going to do good and bad things. So what do you do with that? Like, well, how, how do you deal with these things? You know, how do we deal with these things? We deal with them in a lot of different ways. And it's, it's all kind of, uh, I don't like cliches. But sometimes the word journey fits very perfectly because we're never going to get there this side of heaven. And that can be very exciting. It can also be a tiring thought for some folks. And this is why I'm talking about communion. Because in those moments where we're struggling and there's challenges, like I said, I really want to give this advice to anybody. Pray. Pray for the people that are bothering you. Pray for the people that you don't want to pray for. Put it that way. Pray for the people that you don't want to pray for. And then thank Jesus for having paid the price to forgive you. We kind of forget about ourselves in this finger pointing. Kind of forget, forget that we have the capacity to make bad, bad decisions. What restrains us from these things? So encourage yourselves. You don't have to have communion from another human being. I know there are denominations that really say you, you can't have communion at home. You got to have a qualified, anointed, ordained, certified, regulated, petrified person do something to it that is not in the scripture and then say, okay, now you can have it because I've made it good for you to have now. That's not it at all. 
That's not it at all. It is a personal relationship, just like Melchizedek and Abram. Abram, there's that is the only that is the first mention, not the only, that's the first mention of Melchizedek in the Bible. Abram obviously saw something different about this man. And he obviously had some other type of sensation of some sort that compelled him to willingly give him 10% of the treasures that he had. And all Melchizedek did was give him bread and wine and say, blessed is Abram. Now, another thing I want to uh, talk about on communion, and that's when people usually, you know, and this is, this is true for many denominations. You go to church and you hear the pastor, you see the table set up at the front, usually covered with a white, uh, white tablecloth, right? You got all the bread and the wine. It's not wine. Usually Catholics use wine. Some gender church, some denominations use wine. Most churches do not. And most churches say you should not drink alcohol. It is against the law back before prohibition in the twenties or during prohibition rather. (laughs) And uh, you know, you can't do it. That makes zero sense. If you look at the scripture, communion is wine. The first miracle that is recorded in the gospel, according to John, that Jesus performed is turning water to wine. The Bible does say, stay away from drunkenness. And that is a good idea. Losing your wits and running your mouth and and doing things when you don't even have your wits about you is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Because when when you come to, you don't know what you may have said or done. Or you may have said or done something that you really didn't mean. So that's my, that's, that is uh, on the alcohol side of it. And that's because it's here. It's in the scripture. I'm not saying people should medicate or self-medicate themselves with alcohol, but when the church puts a burden on people that it is not supposed to be there, that's the problem. Putting burdens on people that don't exist in the scripture saying that the only place you can have communion is at church and not at home is a man-made burden saying that you have to receive communion from a qualified preacher of some sort of whatever denomination is a man-made burden so if you are seeking something in this life and you really want, if you, if you want to, if you want to know if Jesus is who he says he is, say a prayer and ask him to reveal himself to you and see what happens in your life over the next, however many days, weeks, years, months, walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. It's good. It's not easy all the time. Things go wrong. So what do you do along those times? Things go wrong big time for people. No one's immune to that. So what do we do? Turn on the radio, turn on our playlist and get lost in whatever messages uh, musicians are making for us. Sometimes that helps. 
It does. Sometimes that can help. I do it sometimes. And then I realize that it's not the only thing I'm supposed to be feeding my mind on. And that's when I go, okay, hmm. It's been a while since I've read some scripture or listened to some scripture. So I'm going to put that on or I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to read it. And I just listen. And that is called the washing of the water with the word. And there's another thing that happened in the upper room. And John does capture this. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. What is that all about? You know, it's like, why would he wash the dirty feet of his fallen creation who don't really believe in him all the way? And what I just said is exactly it. But I'll give it to you through scripture. So Peter says this, all the disciples allow Jesus to wash their feet. Peter says, you're not washing my feet. There's no way. I can't let you. You're, you're, you're the Messiah. You can't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. And this is Jesus as the servant. This is where, this is where the term servant leadership comes from. And that term has been so abused Oh my gosh, you see, you see, <laughs> you see it everywhere. There's no organization from, from, uh, that's immune from using the word servant leadership and then having their leaders not act like servants. But this is where it comes from. So Peter says, I got to wash your feet. You can't wash mine. Jesus says, you're already clean. Oh, I'm sorry. Peter says, ah, I'm getting all mixed up. <clears throat> Peter says, I'm washing your feet. And he says, no, you can't. He's like, you don't understand what I'm doing to you now, but later you will. Something about that resonated with Peter. Because Peter then says, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Where my, that's your feet are go, your, your feet take you where you go in this life, right? You walk, you walk it out. They take you there. Peter says, wash my hands and my head. He didn't say my knees and my elbows. He said, my hands and my head. He said, cleanse the things that my hands do wrong and cleanse the things that my mind thinks incorrectly on. And that is any kind of thought that, well, we'll just leave that for there it is. That's for Peter. So in other words, Peter, like, clean the, clean the work of my hands and the thoughts that cause my feet and my hands to move. That is what Peter's saying. And Jesus says to him, you're already clean. You've already been bathed. But because you walk in this world, your feet are going to get dirty because it's a fallen world. This is how you clean your feet. You renew your mind with scripture. The washing of water with the word. That's where that comes from. I dig it, man. I dig this stuff. I dig it. So communion. Actually, start with, let's start with the non-believers. If you're a non-believer and you want to know if Jesus is, everybody's talking about Easter, right? It's like spring break, uh, chocolate egg laying bunny. 
or recognizing that the creator and redeemer of all creation separated himself from every other religion and belief system and said, no one can get in. There's no amount of effort you can, a human being can put forth that will earn them anything towards getting into heaven. And now you hear a lot of Christians and a lot of people say, you got to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. There's only one person who did that. And that's Jesus. And I think many pastors have a good intent when they say that. But it puts a burden on people that they cannot carry because they can't do it. You'll always be able to find something that you should have or could have done. Now, that list can get really long, depending on how long you look at that list. And that is what separates Christ from every other religion. He says, it is by believing. Earlier, and I think it was in uh, Mark or Luke, or Martha or Mark, when he said, well, what are we going to do to do the works of God? He said, here's the, here's the doing, that you believe in him who God sent. And here's the thing. He gives us until our last breath on this earth to consent to be loved by our maker. It's not a, I'm sorry. It's, I allow you to love me. That is repentance. Repentance means change your mind. Metanoia, change your mind about the way you think of God. Now, here's the thing. You, 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 you put grace that will save somebody up until their last, that will save somebody up until their last breath. And you compare that to some other other religions that basically say it's your whole life that you, you from when the time you were came into this earth, whether you were well, whether you remember it or not, it's all going to be tallied up, and you better hope that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It's to the point where if you believe in reincarnation, that maybe next time you come back, you know, you didn't go down a peg, you just went up maybe half a peg, or maybe you just went down half a peg instead of a full peg. It's a, it's a, it's, it's not very forgiving. It's actually quite cold. And uh, there's no personal relationship in it. I don't, I don't see it. So, that is the foundational difference. No one gets in. Everybody's equally disqualified. But because of that, whosoever believes in Christ and his finished work on the cross qualifies. Now, I can hear my little guy starting to get rambunctious outside because I'm watching him right now. My wife is running some errands with my mother-in-law. They're having a decent time and they're having a good time. And I got to go tend to my boys. I hope you all enjoyed this, and I hope you all have a great, great day. Love you all.